Reach for the sky, boy. people of the world that listen to wrestling geeks alliance we have another show for you today uh it's gonna be a fun show you know we don't have a lot to talk about news wise so we're gonna still talk about some bigger things that happened this week but we thought since we don't have a lot of content for you we're gonna do a watch along and i will we'll, we'll reveal what the watch along is when we get to there but it's one of mine and chris's i would say favorite matches i don't know where the hell it ranks but I always enjoy watching it, and it's got two of my favorite wrestlers in it, so be on the lookout for a great watch-along. We're thinking about doing these more often if we do have days like this where, honestly, there's not a lot of news, but I could not do this show without me. Wrestling Geeks Alliance is done by me, Dane Alves, and my co-host with the most, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. I like you were like, I cannot do this show without me. That's true. It would be very difficult <laughs> to do. Oh, shit. Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I see I... what it is. I, I'm the fucking Marty Janetti of this operation here, apparently. <laughs> well, if don't ever go to a barber with me. Okay. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> be on the lookout for the super kick. I know it's incoming. But uh, no, man. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy week. Lots of playoff hockey, which has been very, very enjoyable. Minus my Devils just getting absolutely pistol whipped, absolutely pumped by the Rangers the past two games. So hopefully they'll bounce back tonight. I'm gonna watch that and uh, watch the rest of Picard. Finished it out. The, the last episode was called "The Last of the New Generations," and it's fucking good. I'll leave it at that because anyone that hasn't watched this season, even if you weren't a fan of the earlier seasons of Picard, this one is worth checking out. Like I've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, finished 90210. I'm done. So, no more 90210 chat. Sorry, <laughs> the tenth season was a little boring. I don't even have anything cool to really talk about, other than uh, Steve Sanders becomes Dad Steve. That was pretty fun. And outside of that, uh, it's mostly just you know the current wrestling product. I didn't really check out too much outside of uh, AEW and WWE proper. How was your week, Dan? What have you been up to? What have you been watching? So did Steve ever? Um... I don't know, get a science degree, uh, because I heard it's like a link that uh, Sharknado is actually uh, linked to uh, Beverly Hills now, 210. Did he, uh, did, he, did he fight any sharks and tornadoes after being Daddy Steve? Uh, he did not. He graduated ah. from you with a sports uh, management degree, I want to say, and then he tried to be a sports agent for a second. Uh, but he made the mistake of giving a college athlete sports tickets. And uh, luckily, his dad is super rich and has friends that were actual sports agents and took care of it. So he didn't go to uh, jail and forever get barred from being a sports agent. And then he uh, started a party business and set a house on fire that they had kind of rented out. And uh, Kelly almost dies in a, in a house fire that is technically caused by Steve, but not really. It was caused by one of his frat roommates. Uh, what else happened to Steve? Then he starts a paper with Brandon Walsh called the uh, the Beverly Hills Beat, and uh, that's where he meets his wife and uh, his baby's mother. 
which is kind of how season 10 wraps up after Brandon Walsh leaves the show and, and sub- subsequently the paper. So there's your update on Steve Sanders from college till <laughs> the end of the show. But no, no science degree had. Though they do survive house fires, earthquakes, um, natural forest fires. There's there's a lot of other natural No sharknadoes? No sharknadoes, but it would not have surprised me. If Sharknado had it came out at the time of 90210, they probably would have fucking done it by the time uh, they got to season 10. Because the show kind of did literally jump the sharks. They might as well have had a fucking Sharknado. But uh, well, you know, doesn't matter. I forgot what the actor's name is, but Steve would go on to be basically the ash for that series, if you will, of Sharknado. So <laughs> that's where he pops up again in stuff. And I try to watch one of those movies, and I'm a huge horror fan, and it was kind of an insult. So I'll just say that. One of the wrestlers coming up in the match that we're going to be watching is a huge fan of those movies. So <laughs> we'll get to talk about that a little bit more. But the, the actor's God damn kid, are you talking about me? <laughs> I love me some goddamn Sharknado. Open my Sharknado, circle. man. What? <laughs> All right, guys, we're, we're we're watching Bret Hart and, and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. I'll just give it God away. Damn it. We're, yeah, we're just kids on Christmas, man. This is exciting match to be watching. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> exactly. Um, of, of my side. Uh, so I went down a movie rabbit hole. Um, I started with. Watching for the first time probably since high school, I watched Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee joint. I feel cool saying that. Um, For the first time in a very, very long time, like I said, since high school. And then I watched John Singleton's Boys in the Hood, obviously. And I watched uh, Men's to Society. And uh, I watched New Jack City. Um, And then that got me, for some reason, on 420, listen to this stupid thing. So I watched... I was like, mid-90s. I was like, kind of same feel, just a little bit fucking different, obviously. But I heard this is a good, like, movie to represent that era in a different way uh, from um, Jonah Hill. He directed it. And really good movie. Um, Not too bad. But for some reason, I was like on 420, well, what movie should I watch today? And I was like, well, this kind of reminded me of a movie I haven't seen since high school. And they have it on YouTube for free. Um, I watched kids and let me just say, I don't know how I didn't remember the ending of that fucking movie, but that movie was out of all the films I watched. Oh, I don't know. Actually, boys in the hood really fucked me up at the end. I mean, so did mess society, but let me just say that I think that ending to that movie for kids is one of the worst endings in a film. And that's what he was going for, obviously. He was trying to show the worst side of kids interacting in the 90s, obviously. That was the director's approach. But, uh, yeah, man, I watched a lot of movies that, I don't know, uh, just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to with me. It's just like I get all these paths, and I'm like, oh, this is a really cool movie. And they burn down the Italian restaurant at the end of it, but that's the only thing that really happens. There's no drug dealers. But it's a great Spike Lee movie with Do the Right Thing. I, I recommend anyone watching it uh, because they kind of display racism for every race. And really, just it's an eye-opening movie. And then from that rabbit hole, like I said, I saw some horrific shit from movies I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, yeah, now I'm just standing on a Saturday on my day off going, what the hell's wrong with me, Chris? 
So I kind of normally go down the same kind of rabbit hole, uh, but with New Jack City. So like if I watch New Jack City, I'm pretty much guaranteed to watch Dead Presidents next. I don't know why I link those two films together, but I do. Um, I was about to watch that because I love Men's Society. It's the same director. I forgot what his name is, but yeah. And then I end up uh, after Dead Presidents. I'm like, well, fuck, now I want to watch more heist movies. And then I watch Heat because... And then that leads oh. to He's a great movie. <laughs> Michael so, Mann, man. Might have to might have to go down that same rabbit hole here, but um yeah, but Boys in the Hood is one of my favorite films. I fucking love that movie. It is kinda you know, it doesn't it does have a sad ending. I'm assuming that's what you meant by like worst ending is like just uh kinda does it so yeah, when I say worst ending, I should probably preface it's not like it's a bad ending. It's supposed to I mean, just like Men's Society kids, they're supposed to end terribly bad for the characters in the movie. But just seeing Ice Cube carry his brother, uh, you know, um, what the hell's the name of that actor? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember the actor's name, but the, the character's name is Ricky. Well, yeah, no, it's it, Ricky. By the way, Ricky, if if I hate to say this to someone that's a character of a movie that died, but if there are, you know, gangsters after you, you probably don't want to keep on doing your scratch ticket in the side street to get to your house. When you decide to tell, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. to take a separate path um, and split up. I'm just saying that's the only like that is the only problem I have in that film. But I love John Singleton. Rest in peace. Um, Poetic Justice, another great movie with Ice Cube. And it's funny that it seems like Ice Cube was his De Niro to Scorsese almost. But Ice Cube's amazing well, for, in it, and just, just him carrying Ricky in the house and throwing him on the couch and screaming for his mom, and oh my god, that seems so hard to watch, man. Yeah, it is hard to watch. At least you do get a little bit of positivity out of that. You know, Doughboy also dies. They tell you that kind of headed out of the credits, but... Um, yeah, they do the stand-by-me thing, which was one of John Singleton's... Bit, obviously, when they were kids, and then that ending... Very much an homage to uh, Stand By Me. Yeah, and Cuba's character, Reiner. who is kind of our main character, he does go on to be successful and make his way out of the hood. So they they give you at least one little positive thing. I don't remember anything positive out of the ending of Kids, really. Or Menace, like, man. Menace, the main character, dies. Uh, Trey yeah. dies. He gets shot, and he has the perfect ending, and they don't go there. And not only does he die... But the fucking maniac little kid that has no problem killing people, especially like Korean business owners and shit like that at the beginning of the movie, he survives the shootout. Hey, but at least Trey saved the child, you know? I mean, it's a fucked up movie, though. But kids is way worse. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, those are some good fucking films. Um, the only movie I watched was late, late last night. I watched Last Action Hero because it was on YouTube, free with ads. Uh... And that's still a funny movie. Is that I like that Hulkster? Movie. Oh, that's with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's where Oh he yeah. Is he's he's actually playing himself, but he plays a character in these films and the kid gets sucked into the movies and then they come back to the real world and it's all like over the top Arnold one-liners. <laughs> Cuz it's written like that on purpose. It's like a, you know, a comedy making fun of him kind of. Doesn't that have movie. that scene where he's like, he's like, no, dude, you're the Terminator. And he shows them the picture, and he's like, Sylvester Stallone, he's a great actor. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, when they're in the blockbuster. He's like, don't you see that all the girls working here are way too attractive? <laughs> He's to be working here, and he's like, "Yeah, I do see that. It's awesome." Yeah, it's you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, that's the only stuff. film I watched. Good stuff all around. Those are all good flicks. If you haven't seen those that we just rattled off in quick succession, oh, check them out. Oh man, Wesley Snipes in New Jack City as a gangster is—I think people forget about that. Before he was known for the martial arts and Blade and all that, he played a badass fucking gangster. That was ruthless. I mean, didn't give a fuck about the Italian mob either, you know? Uh, yeah, very true. Ice-T also, uh, in not Ice Cube, but Ice-T, the film I always think about with him is fucking surviving the game with Rutger Hauer and Woody. Uh, uh, God, uh, it was a Greg Busey, right? Saying it, is that his first name? Fuck. But anyways, it's like, uh, have you ever seen that film where Ice-T basically plays a homeless guy, gets taken yeah. to an island, and they try to hunt him? It has Dr. Cox from Scrubs in it as well. Uh, I just I just love that the guy that made Six in the Morning that was a gangster like a motherfucker, Ice-T, always plays cops, it seems like, in his uh, movie and television roles. Yeah, and they always don't they always like kind he, of preface. He had a song it. called Cop Killer, by the way. <laughs> they always preface it as he was like an undercover cop first, right? Because they want to try to make him relatable, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But they, I know they do that for sure in the Law and Order series. But good stuff. Watch, watch, uh, open your eyes. Um, watch some. They're considered hood movies, but I, I think they're way more than that. I, I would say if you've never seen Do the Right Thing from Spike Lee, who would go on to make stuff like Malcolm X and um, uh, try to think of like his track record after that. Uh, I mean, the, the newest movie was the one where he had White Klansman or Black Klansman, I think it was. That was an awesome fucking movie. He's a great director. He's got a very visual style uses colors, and I think the movie really demonstrates unfortunate ways that we view each other. And they really break it down to, it doesn't matter if it's the Korean, you know, store owners against, uh, you know, the black community or the black community against the Hispanic community or the Italian-Americans or the Irish cops that no one fucking trusts. It's a very brilliant movie. Um... Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Honestly, it's a it's a it's a good film. Go check it out. You know. <laughs> so what you're saying is that's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. What? Um, <laughs> speaking about what, Chris? What do you want to talk about with wrestling this last week? Let's uh, I mean, let's round up some of the highlights. So I mean, I guess the biggest thing is, for me this week was the title change. We give Hobbs the title and we take it right back away from him. How did you feel about that whole fiasco? That title, I think someone said it. I want to say uh, it was Issa Demon Diva from Wrestling Inc., who's awesome, by the way. Follow her. She's from Puerto Rico, and she's a badass uh, wrestling journalist. Absolutely beautiful, too, if you listen to this, Issa. I just want to let you know that I'm sipping for you. Um, but no, no, no. She, uh, she was talking about, like, the title itself has been meaningless. Uh, it seems like ever since... 
kind of Cody had it. It's just been flip-flop from person to person to person to person. And, you know, we had these long time periods where there'd be Cody or Sammy's first time or Miro or uh, Darby Allen, where it was held for a long period of time. And now, you know, it just went back to Wardlow after he just lost it to what, what is this going to do? A TMZ styled segment series is going to help Paros Hobbs when he inevitably loses the title to Wardlow in, in Pittsburgh. I understand that's where, he, you know, Wardlow is not necessarily from, but where he made his name as a wrestler. But I don't know, man. Um, honestly, from what everything I'm hearing, if I was Tony and the involvement with Goldberg, I probably wouldn't have had that match happen. Just kept it on Hobbs and built Wardlow to take down people and then inevitably get called out by Bill Goldberg. But I don't know where he's going with the pay-per-view over at Wembley Stadium, but if that's an option, you know, he doesn't really need a title involved in that, if that is true with some of the rumors. Um, I don't know. I I feel bad for Hobbs. If I was Hobbs, honestly, I don't know if you feel this way, Chris, but I'd be trying to get the fucking WWE immediately. when his contract's out. Yeah, I mean, the guy has a very high ceiling, right? Like, I don't I don't know. I thought they were actually going to give him a little bit of a push here, but they uh, kind of pulled the rug out, and I'm kind of like you, where I think it does have something to do with Goldberg and maybe trying to book to a bigger pay-per-view. The problem is, is they've already given Wardlow a loss. So I guess what they're going to do here, if, if, I, if I had to throw a guess out there, and if they're already talking to Goldberg, would be... They're going to give him the title back and have him have a run all the way up to Wembley and then have a title match against Goldberg and win, I would think. I don't think they're going to have Goldberg win because I don't see I don't see any reason why they would do that. But I, maybe that's why they did it, to try to create like a new undefeated streak leading into that pay-per-view. But as history has shown us, you know, no one... AEW cares a little bit about the records, but I don't have any faith in them making a big enough deal about it for it to matter. And they don't have any of the video footage of Goldberg going on this undefeated streak because it's owned by WWE. So the only correlations you can draw is what Tony can, Tony as in Tony Schiavone can draw from memory of being there at the time. And then I don't know if they're even allowed to really talk about it. I don't know how that's going to, going to work, but that would be my guess as well. I think that's kind of what you were alluding to, but I don't know why the hell you have to have the title involved for that. No idea, um, but that was definitely something glaring. And honestly, I thought Dynamite had a really good show, and they had a lot of good matches. And even though they had a good match, uh, two big men slapping meat, if you will, you know, Big E style. Um, uh, one one of the things I had an issue with was just how overdramatic the performance was. That I didn't think they needed to go there yet. I mean, they could have, but it seems like they jumped the gun. We got the first confrontation face-to-face with Jericho and Adam Cole. Adam Cole, which if you've listened to his, not only his interview from Jericho where he tells him it, but anything he said in the past, like, yeah, Sean's his teacher, and he was a huge Shawn Michaels fan, but Chris Jericho was the person that Adam Cole really looked up to, like said, I can do this. And honestly, Jericho, especially back in the day, was amazing. Um, Adam Cole's pretty amazing. 
I don't think necessarily either of them have the finesse that Sean has. So it even it, it pairs them up even more so because what they do have is I think they're a better talkers than Sean. And Sean was a great talker too, but I love the pairing of the two of them. It makes a lot of sense. It's it's very much you know new school versus old school, much like how Jericho when he went in against Sean uh, the first time. Uh, before Jericho cut his hair and came back. Um, but everything with Britt Baker, I know they had Jamie Hayter get laid out before that. I just thought it was so overdone and very much, it seems like a carbon copy without a lot of the heat of uh, the Triple H uh, situation with Randy Orton back in the day where he did that to him and ended up kissing a uh, knocked out Stephanie McMahon. You know, but it's not even that. It just, it just was. Am I, am I being a dick, Chris, or was it just way too overacted? And honestly, for the first confrontation, just not necessarily needed. It seems like it was there because they were in Pittsburgh. But honestly, if you wanted to make it more dramatic, why not have like I don't know one of the female members of the Jericho Society pull out his, uh, you know, Britt Baker's dad from the front row and beat the shit out of him or something? I don't know. Or maybe he jumps the railing and tries to get in front of his daughter because obviously they, they could have, if they wanted to do that and make it more meaningful, I think they had the options. I just think that they should have chilled out on this um, to let the rivalry build up just by itself of being Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. It's not necessarily that I hated the segment. It's more that I think you, you they did it too early. Right. Is this should be like what you do on the go home show for your pay-per-view and, and maybe even a bigger way so that you have that final little push of Adam Cole going into the pay-per-view wanting to, you know, get revenge. Uh, similar to what we just saw, what's not not to the same extent, but what we saw with Edge and um, his wife, Beth Phoenix, when when the Judgment Day. Oh, look at that. I remember their name this time <laughs> when the Judgment Day uh, put a or even. Off. No, 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 that definitely, or even Kevin Owens uh, getting, you know, tied up and, or, or handcuffed to the fucking thing, getting his ass kicked in front of Sammy. That made Sammy snap. And maybe that's more of the problem, and I don't know if you feel this way, but it, the, kind of the only problem I had with it is it felt very WWE. It felt like something Jericho cooked up. Um, and it is something we've seen a lot. But I, I can't really condemn AEW for going that route. Now they should have listened to me when I said fucking have Jericho come out and just completely uh, run down the list of insults like he used to do to Stephanie for Brit. I think they could have done that a couple of weeks and then went to this this type of angle later on if they wanted to, uh, similar to what they did with Jericho and Triple H. If you're going to copy a, a story that I think you would have, you should start at the beginning before you get straight into the weird shit. Maybe maybe the doctor did not approve that, Chris. She's got a lot of pull in the company. Yeah, she probably she probably would have been too offended if he came out there. And, and it may, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that just doesn't fly in today's wrestling, I guess, and, and to some extent with with that fan base in particular. But uh, you know it it's not the worst thing we've seen with like a, a man versus female in AEW. If you if we throw back to uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, 
Uh, oh god, that was awkward. <laughs> that was really awkward. Thought we were about when, to when see Jake it. was one of the only people they had during the COVID times at the uh, the event, even though he was on a respirator. Uh, I thought we were about to see a very different snake from Jake, which he's been known to do in the past. Yeah. Did, did he ever uh, piss on the stage? Is that is that what he was known for? I know he drank his own pee one time. That's. I'm glad. I'm so glad Jake's over that hump, man. He's yeah, still alive. I think the famous story is he did kind of the Jim Morrison, I'm going to show it at an indie event, if I'm remembering correctly. But. Except for the ladies in the audience wanted to see Jim, and no one wanted to see Jake. Not during that. Not not during any. Well, let's just say at least not during that time period. I don't know. Maybe in the eighties, but this was. This is uh going into the beyond the mat, Jake the Snake. So no, probably not. Well, yeah. Um, but like I said, I think Dynamite. Overall, had a pretty good show. It was just progressing certain storylines. We kind of talked about the big changes with Wardlow winning and being the champion. And also with that situation with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. But, you know, a a fun show. Nonetheless, uh, Raw and SmackDown, honestly, were just the same thing. Kind of filler shows to get us to the next point. I mean, I think Matt Riddle and fucking Solo Sokoa had a great match last night on SmackDown. No DQ. Um, but you know, we're just, tr- we're, we're prolonging, uh, to get to the next thing, but both were solid shows. It's just, like we said, there's nothing, nothing from them that we can really talk about. So I know that one of the things that you wanted to talk about was Naomi's position with new Japan and, uh, what exactly is going on? Because I've heard she's not involved. She is involved. She's not involved. Like what the hell's the final verdict with Naomi, uh, Trinity, whatever you want to obviously call her. So with Naomi, it turns out that there was interest in signing her. The problem is, is that New Japan is tightening their belts to some extent. And that might might have alluded to some of the losses they've had with contracts as of late with, say, like a Juice Robinson or a Jay White. Um, they're trying to save money coming out of the COVID years that they had. So that is why she was not re-signed not for, or not signed there, not for lack of interest or anything. And it was kind of the fit that almost made the most sense for her, unless uh, unless AEW wanted to bring her in. But that's uh, that's what everyone is saying in the news. Apparently, is that it is just literally a budgeting thing. And the only the other news out of New Japan, which which is in the road uh, the uh, road of Donataku, believe I pronounced that right. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi's injured, apparently, so he's going to be out for the majority of that. So I don't, don't they? Did, I didn't get a timetable on that, but he is. Uh, Poor Okada. Yeah. Okada was very keen with losing the belt and putting over Sonata because of the proposition that him and Tanahashi, we talked about it last week, um, could be a collision course against Aussie Open for those titles. And he kind of talks about that being like a feather in the cap that he doesn't have, basically. He's wanted to tag team with Tanahashi. The, you know, at this point, in no disrespectful way, the old ace where Okada is pretty much the new ace. You know, it's like John Cena and Roman Reigns uh, for New Japan. Um, and unfortunately, that's not going to work out. And I'm wondering, I don't know. Like I said, because of this, 
I hope Tanahashi, you know, recovers and everything. And I've seen him live, and he's an incredible wrestler. But he's definitely getting a little bit older, so injuries happen. But with Okada, you know, Chris, I I don't know. Now I feel like he's going to be thrown back in the singles division, and I feel like he's done everything he can do. Maybe this is more of a reason for him to maybe settle over in the U.S. for a little while, help out the guys over at New Japan Strong, uh, which a lot of people have come over to do that, and uh, interact with Impact and uh, especially AEW, potentially. Um, I mean, he's a star. He is to Japan, I feel like, to the mainstream audience, not necessarily Japan's audience, but overall to the U.S. audience as well, what Pentagon is to Mexico. So I feel like he's going to have a huge calling no matter where he goes, as long as he doesn't show up in his fucking T-shirt and, like, you know, khakis. Um, (laughs) But he's so – I feel like what else is he going to do now? Without Tanahashi there. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they're just going to throw him in multi-man tag matches. We don't have a timetable on Tanahashi. He, he may be back before the final show, and they still do that tag match. So I didn't get, like, an actual how long he's going to be out. But uh, who knows? It's Tanahashi. He'll probably come in there wrestling with one fucking arm and one fucking leg if he has to to get across whatever they want to get across. But yeah, you're right. If, if he, if he is injured and this is going to be a couple month, you know, two or three month thing headed into G one. I mean, that affects G one. That's going to affect whatever they had planned for the tag division, which I almost think the plan. I, I mean, this has kind of been thrown out there as a rumor. What was going to be uh, FTR maybe versus Tanahashi and Okada. Which I think would have been a really, yeah. really fun interesting match type like a title versus title type deal or even you know however they wanted to do it because fdr has talked about wanting to go back and do some more stuff in japan which if they do that at the wembley pay-per-view would, o- would only be a couple months off wrestle kingdom as well so you could have tied those two things in together but yeah i, I don't know what they're gonna do honestly hopefully tanahashi's just back before that pay-per-view and they uh, have that feud with Aussie Open and go from there. I, I hope he's okay. We do, like I said, there were, I didn't get a clear timetable from the articles I saw floating out there, and a lot of it's coming from Jap, you know Japanese media. So I don't know if that's translation issue or or what. But he's he is for sure going to be out for a bunch of these shows leading into their next big show. It sounds like at, at the minimum. Well. Either way, I hope to see Tana back uh, soon in full health, uh, obviously. And I uh, hope the best for, you know, Kazuchika Okada with the New Japan. I just would like to see, uh, you know, him in some different situations. Kind of strictly me being a fan, being a little bit selfish about it, obviously. Uh, but he is Okada. I mean, he is, to me, one of the modern guys when we're talking about workers. Him being a draw for his promotion He's up there, you know, with the best of them. So, uh, interesting. And not only that, I mean, I'd like to see another Omega Okada match. I know they just made up and shit like that. Uh, but I'm just being direct. Uh, it's one of the best feuds. So, what are you going to do? Like, people forget Steamboat and fucking Flair, after they had those three amazing matches, ended up going on and having more matches in the early 90s as well, before Flair went to WWE, so. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I still think that there's going to be... I mean, we're eventually going to get that match, one would hope. But with with it, I guess we can... Did we talk about the Will Ospreay last, last week? I can't remember. We did a little bit, but bring up whatever you'd like. So with Will Ospreay potentially being out, and that being what I would assume would be the next New Japan match for Kenny, if he is going to go back over and do another match in Japan... It kind of does mainline them to have to do Okada versus Omega. It's really the only feud he has left unless they want to run the Tanahashi thing back. I mean, honestly, with a card potentially with whoever they have uh, for Wembley, if you really want, I mean, I, I, that is, I, I don't know if they're going to do another New Japan AEW pay-per-view because it's around the same time that they did it last year. So, this might be that plus more with the Wembley show. Uh, either way, either of those shows that they're both there and present. Omega versus Okada again, which would be their fifth match, um, or maybe it would be their fourth match because I think the last one was two out of three. I can't remember off the hand, but it would be definitely a, a big draw on a card that you already have potential with, like we said, Wardlow and Goldberg, or maybe MJF and. Sting and you know everyone else that they could possibly put on there to make it much more grand. So definitely a possibility, I would say. Yeah, and with Jay White being there, maybe that's. I mean, there's stuff that they could do with him tying in back into New Japan if they wanted to. They, I mean, there's a lot of reason why I would think that they're going to have New Japan stars at that Wembley show, simply just because they need to draw as many people as they can. Uh, but. Would you, here's a I guess this is more of a question than a a prediction, so to speak. But would you rather see Omega versus Okada, or would you like to see that feud with him and CM Punk if Punk and him can agree to do that? I would think that would be the obvious. I mean, thing. I'll take Omega and Okada if we can't have people interacting with each other. But yeah, I mean, it would be CM Punk and Kenny Omega. And then also Okada and Brian Danielson. Those I'd rather have, but I will take another Omega Okada match too. Um, and just also going back to what you said about Will Ospreay, it's uh, really sad when a wrestler realizes maybe, and I hope this doesn't happen to someone like Darby, honestly, that maybe he should have listened and really toned himself back because. He's basically saying he's going to have to pull a Steve Austin to have a sustaining career for as long as he can go. That's That sucks because we've seen him put everything into his matches and it's now starting to catch up with him uh, as he approaches the 30s, Chris. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with having those five-star fucking Meltzer Japan matches is that it's going to wear on you. And I mean, I think... There's, you know, there's a lot of detractors as well as a lot of supporters of Will Ospreay, but one of the main major complaints is like you're doing too fucking much, right? From even from his detractors, I think there's still a lot of respect for Will Ospreay. Uh, even Jim Cornette has some weird respect for Will Ospreay, even though he fucking hated him to begin with. But there is even his detractors are just like you're just doing way too fucking much. Like you don't need to do that much to have a good match, which I kind of agree with. And we're, you know, Kenny said the same thing when he was out with his injury. When I come back, I'm gonna have to change the way I do shit. And then he comes back and has that match. And with then Will he Ospreay. had a fucking crazy match with Will Ospreay that proved 
He's not really slowing down too much, Chris. <laughs> so when they say stuff like this, I think I hope what they mean is like, I'm not going to kill myself at a Tuesday night house show in New Japan. <laughs> Maybe I'll save it up for the big pay-per-view match. You know what I mean? Because if you look at like what Will Ospreay was doing yeah. in Japan, very similar to Kenny Omega, like running yourself ragged to give the best performance you can give every match, which you don't necessarily have to do. You know, Mr. WrestleMania HBK has proven <laughs> as long as the one that everyone it, seems to look up to, <laughs> as long as you do it on the big shows, you're, you're fine. Give them the five stars on the big shows. Not you don't have to do it at every every single show. But, you know, I there's been lots of guys come back and change their style. Uh, Brian Danielson, to some extent, when he first came back, he kind of adjusted his style. St- Steve Austin being the biggest one. I think having a broken neck changes your style completely, obviously. But Kitty Omega, Romo didn't. Yeah, well, he's fucking Jesus crazy. Christ. Um, it's it's interesting to think about. Hopefully, Will Ospreay comes back, and you know, I don't think he's going to slow down that much. He may take take some things out of his arsenal, but he just seems like the kind of guy that's going to go. Same thing with Naito, you know, like. A lot of people thought he was going to have to change his style, and then he goes and wrestles Kota Ibushi and gets dropped on his head fucking 7,000 times. So I think it just depends well, on the just another one. Yeah. Kota Ibushi. I mean, he's going to come back, but he's already talked about having to you know, stop doing certain things because he was dropped on his head a bunch and his, his neck. Um, so, yeah, those matches with Naito and Kota Ibushi are some of the most... They're like horror movies. Like, <laughs> I would rather watch a goddamn death match with light tubes and shit and see the two of them just kill each other and fucking drop each other on their neck from that suplex spot that they would do uh, where Coda would be on the second rope and uh, Nido would be to the, uh, you know, apron and then get suplexed into the ring on your fucking head. Ugh. Shit's hard to watch. Yeah, I- I thought the craziest suplex I'd ever seen was that fucking dragon suplex off the top rope in the Kenny Okada match, which they never did again because that was just, I think they realized how stupid that was after the match. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, that, that entire, the entire Naito Ibushi feud is that where everyone's just getting dropped on the neck. And I know that's just how they like to take bumps and it looks crazy, but it's also, you know, you're wrestling for a company where a man's neck literally detached itself and he died in the middle of the ring. Maybe you want to, maybe want to calm it down just a bit. Just, well, you know. the Sawa died in, in, in Noah, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, no, obviously yeah, was, everyone looks up to him. Well, they were, they're both Noah. They're Abushi and Naito were originally Noah guys as well. Right. Maybe that's why I'm, are they, because that's where they. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. All those guys look up to Misawa, and he had so many suplexes from his matches with Kawada and fucking um, Kenta and everyone uh, that, yeah, he was decapitated. That's the craziest thing. His final column was completely cut in half from a suplex without his head obviously coming off, but, and died instantly. And yeah, it's, it's... he's revered as one of the best. He is but he's revered as one of the best workers of the nineties. And it, and that's what I think is the horror movie aspect of those matches is because we we've seen what can happen when you take too many of those 
right? So it's just weird that or people Hayabusa. Uh, Hayabusa Ugh. was a freak injury, though. I mean, he just slipped off the ropes and didn't get his moonsault all the way over. The the lion salt that he did. Yeah. But he was crazy because he didn't use the bottom rope. He would actually, like, project moonsault. It just, yeah. Um, Masawa's the worst, definitely. What a fucking concept. You create your own company outside of all Japan. It strives. You bring basically all the big talent, which is the reason why all Japan is nowhere near to the level that it is, even compared to pro wrestling no one, let alone New Japan. And then you, after having amazing matches and putting on stuff like a pay-per-view with Kenta Kobashi, not, 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 not Kobayashi, like, like Kenta, like you guys might know, but the original, the one that trained him against Samoa Joe, like an incredible fucking matches. And he dies from getting, I, I think it was like a routine suplex too, Chris, which is the fucked up part. Like, yeah. Ugh. It's it's insane. I would love to see them dial that stuff back if they ever feud again. The other thing is, like, Abushi goes out and talks about, I'm really going to have to dial back my wrestling style, but then he's doing a fucking mixed martial arts match, like a shoot fight. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if some of that is just building his character back up or... Uh, I'm kind of curious on what that actually means, because I don't know. If you have to slow your wrestling career down... I. You would think that the one thing you wouldn't want to do is go actually have a fucking mixed martial arts match and get some guy putting you in a fucking Kimura or guillotine choke or like a, a shoot guillotine. Like, I don't I don't know what the thought process is there, but it's, it's kind of wild. Did you uh, catch any of Impact this week? Not this week, and I kind of wish I did, but I definitely want to mention the pay-per-view was a lot of fun, a lot of good fucking matches. I love the uh, the the Team Bully versus Team Dreamer match, because mostly because Machine Gun Kelly's fucking... or No, she's not Machine Gun Kelly. What the hell is her name? Motor City Machine <laughs> like, No, god damn it. Uh... I'm thinking of the dude that fucking is a musician that got dropped by Kevin Owens. Um, Killer <laughs> Kelly and Masa Slamovich were fucking awesome in the match, along with Moose and everyone that was included. Uh, but yeah, like I, I kind of suggested might happen. Mickey is not the champion. Neither is Josh Alexander. They both had to stop because of injury. Mickey might not actually be coming back, which I hope that's not the case, but you know. She's had a long career, but she was talking about on Busted Open how this injury might be the thing that, which, like I said, I hope that's not the case. But, so they didn't beat the champions, but they beat who they had to beat uh, with her beating Jordan Grace and Steve beating Kushida. And now they're a power couple that's on top. But the weird thing, Diana Perazzo is now a baby face because no one wants to boo her because she's so fucking good. And she's kind of like, she can go back heel if she wanted to, but she's beloved. While Steve Macklin, we're, we're about to watch a match with the same person uh, of Steve Austin. Man, Steve Macklin, I know he's from Jersey, so I guess it can be like how I compare Eddie Kingston to fucking Dusty. But so much Austin when he was a heel, but like people liked him so much he was about to go babyface. So I'm very, uh, I was, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I was very... 
I wanted to see where the hell he was going to go with this because he was getting cheered against Kushida, even though he's trying to act heel. But he's such a tough son of a bitch and ex-military. Very happy for both Steve Macklin and Deanna Perrazzo to win their championships, uh, respectively. But they did not beat the actual champions, Chris. Uh, and Deanna is the most underrated female wrestler in the United States right now. Oh, Just I'm sorry, not- but like... Like, no offense to, like, I know she's friends with her, but, like, Britt Baker thinks very highly of herself, and she's a good wrestler, but I think Deanna is the best outside of WWE, period. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Probably her, followed by Jordan Grace. Uh, and Jamie they have Hader. one hell of a women's division. Jamie, really Hader's, Jamie Hader was top list for underrated, but I can't really call her underrated anymore now that she is the champion and is, you know, having bangers each week so the uh the, the where they went with this is scott demore got called out by macklin and uh scott demore says i, I got a canadian that'll fight you like scott demore's taking the wristwatch off like he's about to fight macklin he's like i have a canadian that'll fight you and out comes pco so they're gonna do pco versus macklin for the title it looks like based off the show I watched on Thursday. So I only caught the tail end of the show. I did not watch the entire show. I'm going to go back and watch it because I was watching uh, the NHL playoffs at the same time. So I was flipping back and forth, which uh, TBS is really pumping AEW too, by the way, Dane. <laughs> They're like the most talked about wrestling product. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. I think the 18 million fucking... <laughs> Twitter followers or whatever that WWE has talks more about that than AEW, but we'll roll with it. TBS. Yeah. Well, Hey man, they got to put over their shit, you know, and that's kind of like, even though we've, we've talked about Goldberg in the past, um, it is very, it, even though he's not going to be able to, I, I, I don't think use his theme music. So they're going to have to create something, him going out positioned by TNT, TBS Turner. Um, there's something about that concept. So even though we're all expecting him to go to Wembley, it's, it, it seems like with him, I mean, regardless, like I said, of me and you thinking that he's the best worker or anything like that, he is a draw. Would you want him to go out on TNT, even though it's Rampage or this new Saturday show, possibly, where that's his last match? Or do you want to see him go to Wembley uh, and that's it, if that's what they're doing? I mean, if it was, if I had to choose, if, if little, you know, eight, nine-year-old me was choosing where I'd want to see Goldberg go at, I'm going to be a little selfish and say it's somewhere in Atlanta, right? Because <laughs> that's kind of where it all started. Atlanta on the TNT Saturday show. I mean, that'd be great. That being said, uh, I wish Goldberg would have went away a long time ago. Were you there ago, so when, when Goldberg won? I was not at that show. I went to a lot of Nitros. Uh, as a kid, that was not one of the ones I was at. Uh, that I was. Said, really? <laughs> yeah, That's it was awesome. nuts, man. That's, a, that's the first time they went to the Georgia Dome, I think, uh, after the Omni, which beforehand was like the Madison Square Garden of the South, but they fucking destroyed it. Um, but yeah, the dome show with Goldberg, that audience was ridiculous. It was electric. It was, I mean, like I said, I'm not the biggest Goldberg fan, but 
I was definitely cheering when he beat fucking Hollywood Hogan. Or no, no, he didn't beat Hollywood Hogan. Who the hell did he beat? I can't remember. But he, he did beat Hogan. Way. He did beat Hogan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that's the, that's the famous why the hell would you do this on tv for free match <laughs> yeah yep but yeah, so he mean, got his championship on tv he got all of his big matches and the uh, the bullshit accusations that oscar actually did where he won certain matches that there's no chance he would have been able to get that record but whatever either way goldberg got the title and you know Anyways, that being uh, that being said, as far as like, I wish Goldberg would have went away a long time ago (laughs) at this point, and it makes me really nervous to have him in the ring having a match against Wardlow. Yeah, uh, because of a match that we saw in Saudi Arabia against uh, the Undertaker, probably be the reasoning, because the dude fucking chucked himself so hard into a turnbuckle that he. Got a concussion, split his head open from fucking hitting the post, and then proceeded to try to uh, jackhammer Undertaker and dropped him on his head. Yeah, it's a combination of that, but it's also, I think that match is going to go over like a wet fucking fart in the building, regardless of who wins. Just because it's not, it's not. You have a problem, like, a lot of people have proposed that Goldberg, since he's probably going to get this reaction anyways, he should come back as a heel, especially if he goes against Wardlow. Um, or at least come out like a baby face, get the reaction, and then go heel based on that. Do you think that would be the smart idea? Because I can't see an AEW audience being happy-go-lucky about Goldberg. I, I don't. I, I mean, I think that would probably be the smart thing to do. But Goldberg has said multiple times that he doesn't want to be a heel. When he came back to WWE and did that whole thing with his kid, part of his conditioning. Watch to be a superhero for the kids. <laughs> part of his conditioning on coming to doing that was that he was going to be a babyface. So, I think he has more of a problem with it than I do. All right. So lastly, before we get into this match, uh, let's talk. I mean, we already talked about it, like CM Punk, he's scheduled to come back uh, June 17th. I mean, they're going to have this meeting, I think it's this weekend, actually, to air grievances between Punk's camp and whatever roster member has a problem with it and try to ease over things, specifically him and Jericho. I mean, Chris, there's a lot of talk about him and Jericho being the match they build up towards for... uh, you know, the Win- the Wembley show and Jericho can have problems with an individual and they've never seemed like they were on the same page based on their even original feud from what they've said about each other in the past. But Chris Jericho is one of the best businessmen in wrestling. I mean, uh, politically and just understanding the scope of things, I think that he would work out shit with punk uh, to better off, you know, uh, the whole company itself and himself too. Um, so I think that there is possibility for that. And also we know that a lot of people kind of renegotiated AEW and hangman page is also involved in all of that. So any statements about either of those situations before we move on to our watch along? Yeah, I think hangman is, 
kind of doing the same thing Kenny's doing right now and filling it out and seeing how much money he could make elsewhere and whether it's worth staying around for. But basically, we've it's been reported that you know all of the elite basically is in contract negotiations, which means how much money are you going to pay me, essentially. Um, I would like to think that Kenny Omega can work out whatever issues he has with Punk if, if he's not being pressured by the Bucks, just because he did with Tanahashi, right? Like, he, I mean, he dropped the title to Tanahashi leaving Japan. So that seems like a guy that can put issues aside and and do the fucking match. But like you said, Jericho, kind of the same way. Um, I just don't. That would be. A, I just don't think that'd be a very good match. You got to put a lot of bells. No, me neither. That's that's like a like a dog collar match or a hardcore match. They'd have to do something so that those two could brawl against each other because we don't even know what Punk's going to look like coming back from this broken foot uh, and separated shoulder. I remember the guy just was hurt at that last pay-per-view again after coming off of an injury. So we don't even know what he's going to look like in the ring. And and Jericho, while he's been better as of late, I don't know that he's not going to be the guy that's going to carry Punk into a great match or anything. Unless you put, like I said, like a lot of bells and whistles on the fucking thing. It's interesting, though. And with everyone kind of renegotiating, basically every member of the elite. Um, And I really like their program right now uh, with them pitted against, uh, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club. But uh, it's crazy that all of them, three of them being EVPs. I mean, honestly, it's it's like Adam kind of, even though he's not an EVP, is like the replacement for Cody, but he was kind of like really the elite member over Cody with the three of them. So all of them are renegotiating. We're going to find out. Well, here's the thing. Do you think that we're going to find out this information or – like, I'm not trying to be a dick. Obviously, Dave has a relationship with the Bucks and Kenny. So if Mike Johnson or Sean Ross Sapp or any of those great, you know, guys outside of Dave get this information, if Dave were to get the information that any of these guys are not, you know, they're, they're ending their contract, do you think that he would actually save anything? Or not save, I'm sorry. Say anything to the public. Or would he say face with the Bucks and Kenny Omega and, and Adam Page? It seemed like they were pretty open about the Cody stuff, right? So I mean, I don't know. That's that's hard to it's hard to say. I would assume that they would sign some kind of agreement like Cody signed, where they can't talk about it and Tony can't talk about it if they decide to move on. That would be my my guess is that we will never yeah. really what happened there i mean we're gonna have it's gonna be kind of evident if we don't see kenny or the elite anywhere near punk of why they might want to leave i mean he basically said that they they weren't fit to run a fucking target so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then punched a guy in the head so i don't i don't necessarily know that i would be looking to make up with those guys uh, or if I was at least if I was the Young Bucks or the Young Bucks specifically, not so much Kenny, because he kind of just seemed to be there by happenstance from what we're now hearing. Yeah, but Nick got fucking punched right in the goddamn face by CM Punk. I mean, we all know that by now. So there might be reasonable tension there. But at the same time, though, Chris, they're getting their own show now at this point. So 
that's, that's maybe the, the same level. They're okay if they have a separation from him. I don't know. I mean, I guess, but they're still EVPs. They'll be they'll be EVPs over both products, right? <laughs> the fucking like that's Whoa. where it gets. If they get signed again, but they're not EVPs this time, like if that's something like Tony's like, uh, I don't know. Like it's 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 very crazy. I mean, a lot of stuff could happen. I don't think they stay if if that happens. I don't see them staying if that happens. No. Yeah. No. I I I don't either. Um, Because they had the choice. The only reason they didn't go to WWE because they had a bigger contract offer from WWE. The only reason they didn't go to WWE was because they were going to be EVPs and have decision-making abilities in AEW and kind of get to create their own thing. So if you're stripping that off them, I think they'll be fucking out because WWE is going to pay them more money. So crazy that AEW is about to be like uh, WWE in the sense that they're about to have two separate rosters, potentially, with one on TNT, one on TBS, Dynamite obviously being the one on TBS, and the Saturday show that's supposed to be two hours, and then potentially the Rampage show as well. Um, and then they also have their own NXT with Ring of Honor that's on their own you know, media platform uh, that you can go and watch. Uh, it's just, it's, they're expanding. That's a good thing. They're, they're television companies, you know, Turner in specific Warner Brothers Discovery, they like them. They're doing good stuff for them. So that's a good thing, but it's just crazy that I think this is potentially going to be a very good thing because of how many talented members of the roster. Like I always go back to the the two J's because one's new and one's a little bit older. But like I would love to see more of Jay Lethal in a certain product than every so often with the tag match with Jeff Jarrett. And I think Jay White has not been handled that well to me specifically um, being brought into AEW. And apparently from what Dave Finley says, he's not bullet club, him and juice aren't anymore, which I love that concept. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, is Dave the fucking leader now at bullet club? Cause that's a step down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Based on their past. I mean, they've only had guys like fucking, Ben Balor, AJ Styles, uh, Kenny Omega, and Jay White, but you know, whatever. So, but either way, I, I don't like so much how Jay has. They had a great promo with Jay White and Juice Robinson that was on their fucking social media. This is something that fucking WWE does. And it was awesome. And I'm like, why wasn't that on the main show? This shows off a lot more of Jay's personality. He hasn't had one promo since he's gotten there. I don't know. So I think two rosters might be beneficial based on how big their fucking rosters are. Or their roster, I should say, is. Uh, I flip-flop back and forth on this because I think they're doing it for the wrong reasons. (laughs) I don't think they're doing it because they think the shows need to be... That's a good point! I think they're doing it because they want to separate people that don't like CM Punk and people that do like CM Punk, which is not necessarily the best way to do a show. That, and it's actually separated three ways, if you include the fact that they're doing a Ring of Honor show, unless they're going to turn Ring of Honor into like a developmental or something. 
So that makes it even weirder. And then they have Rampage on top of that, which is going to be another one-hour show that they're going to figure out whatever whatever the hell they're going to do with that. But um, and the reality TV show. Yeah, I don't. I don't is that a thing? I, I keep yes. forgetting. That is that show, Chris? Honestly, as a fan, is that show doing anything for Britt Baker to make her still be a baby face in the fans' eyes? I'm not gonna lie; I've not watched one episode of it. It's okay, well, not, I can tell you, it's just not something I'm interested in. <laughs> she, uh, she very much—I don't know. I like Britt Baker a lot. I think she's great, but for someone that's never won a WWE title or, you know, doesn't even have the fucking AEW belt, she thinks very highly of herself, and she's in charge of a lot of shit. But, you know, she's a dentist. I would, I would note that the reality TV did not help Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes that much, so I would tread lightly on how nope. I'm doing this thing. <laughs> it did not. It definitely did not. Um. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Unless you have some last statements about any of the stuff that we talked about previously. No, man, I think I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, you ready to do this watch along? Yeah, just give me a second to put the stupid shit in the the right position because I mean I hate Peacock. So hold on one second. Uh, for the listeners out there, while Dane is getting set up, we're starting this at one minute and twenty-one uh, one one hour twenty-one minutes and fifteen seconds on Peacock. The way that we got there or had to get there, the easiest way I think is to search Bret Hart versus Steve Austin or Bret Hart Steve Austin. It will pull up rivalries. If you click on rivalries and scroll down, you'll see the WrestleMania. Click on WrestleMania 13. And then, like I said, the timestamp is one hour, 21 minutes and 15 seconds. There may be a 60 second delay when we start this where they show us an ad because we've had this thing on pause while we were doing the podcast. And that's just how Peacock tends to roll. So uh, just a heads up on that. I will note if you try to watch this thing in its entirety, some of the video packages have ads placed in them now by peacock like the intro packages to the match so be aware of that as well i don't know when that started happening but that's a thing and i think that about wraps it up for everything that it wants to watch this along with us so well i'm ready now we have a a nice uh ken shamrock uh getting introduced right now um well, that's that's what's paused that. Uh, he's being introduced as the ultimate fighting champion, and he is going to be considered after this, I think, Chris, one of the best uh, special guest referees ever in a match. And then would also become the Intercontinental Champion and the NWA Champion and everything else. But. Yes, and we actually talked to him about this on our show. If you guys want to listen to that, it's out there. You can listen to us interview Ken Shamrock. Um he said he loved doing it and, and he kind of goes into detail about how he approached being a special guest referee uh, versus how we see a lot of people do it, which was interesting, but I guess we're ready to get started. Let's uh, you want to do a three, two, one, and then jump right in. Yes. All right, guys, uh, get yourselves in a position. Like we said, this is at one hour. 21 minutes and 15 seconds into WrestleMania 13. Once you guys have yourselves positioned there, 
Listen for the three count. At one, I'm going to press play. I'm not going to say press play. I'm just going to press play at one. So as soon as you hear one, press play with us. So here we go. Three, two, one. All right. Look at Ken, man. Oh, my God. Like, about to come out of his fucking referee outfit. That's amazing. Jack to the absolute gills. Um, I know that he said that he never did steroids, but uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that may may have been a lie, even though the friend of the show, Ken Shamrock, I'm not, I, please don't kill me, but you were fucking really jacked here, bro. Hell yeah, look man. At, and look at this crowd, man. I miss signs. I know that we have signs in AEW, but the amount of just brashness and assholeness that was the 90s signs versus what we have oh, now. Oh, Austin! Yeah, dude, this is the big one, I think, with uh, the actual glass breaking, right? Oh, yep. Oh, my God, dude. So awesome. Never gets old. So I want to point out two things about Austin right here. He is a heel. This is one of the biggest, you know, um, swaps of a babyface going heel and a heel going babyface within this match. And also, this was a couple months uh, from SummerSlam where, unfortunately, he would lose a lot of his great in-ring abilities from an unfortunate thing with Owen Hart having a tombstone where Owen came down on his ass instead of his knees and broke Austin's neck. One thing people don't realize about Austin, Chris, is that, and this will prove it too, he was one of the best in-ring workers for the longest time. And then that stopped. And honestly, when that stopped, he became one of the biggest in-ring um you know, draws of all time. So he, he kind of did those separately within his careers. Yeah, it's it's a weird kind of career trajectory. I think he would have still hit that same level because this is what launches him to the stratosphere anyways, not the style of wrestling change. What would have been more interesting is what kind of matches would he have hit, would he have had. And, you know, he kind of not, I, I don't want to call it five moves of doom. That's kind of the cliche, right? But he improved upon what the five moves of doom was with hulk hogan and now you see kind of all of the big big stars in wwe kind of have their five setup moves and austin has his five as well you know he's got the punches in the corner mud hole stomp luthez press um stunner it's kind of like the, the elbow off the second rope the elbow you know with the flick off in yeah. the ring <laughs> So the spine buster. That's all he's got. And that's pretty much all he needed to do because he's such a fucking good promo. And was just so over. Like, even here, he's super over. So is Brett because Brett's not bullshit here yet. Look at this. He just did the Bret Hart thing. He gave – this is about to be the biggest jump for both guys. And Brett – and Stone, Stone Cold's coming out. He's a heel. He just attacked Brett. He's a fucking just right on top of him before the, even the the bell gets the ring. But Brett just gave his glasses, and they're about to jump to the opposite side by the end of this match. And the the whole audience goes along with it. That's the amazing thing. Yeah, I like that they started it with a double leg and then just trading off punches, and, and Ken Shamrock's treating it like a UFC fight. <laughs> with the way that they're... God, uh, these punches, man. You can so, say what you want about Bret Hart, man. And 
his punches were just amazing. And from what everyone has said, from Fred Sasso or whatever the fuck his name is, from Matt TV all the way to Jerry Lawler, none of them hurt you. They just looked great. Oh, man, that post hit was great by Austin. Yeah, this is just pinnacle Steve Austin and Bret Hart. It's, I would say it's probably the best match in both of their careers. They may disagree with me, but it is something that will never be touched. Kind of like Kenny Omega and Okada. I don't know that he'll ever have a better match than those matches. These two had just a natural chemistry and perfect timing. For- you just kicked Tony Atlas in the face yeah. on accident. And Lou Albano. <laughs> oh, it's Mario. What the hell were they doing there? I don't know, because the rest of this show is pretty fucking terrible. I don't know what they did with them. I'm assuming they had some kind of... I'd have to go back and watch all of WrestleMania 13 again. WrestleMania had- 13, notably, was uh, with the championship match, Sid versus Undertaker, which went off like a bag of shit compared to this match. This is pretty much, Chris, what WrestleMania 13 is known for, because all the other matches were kind of mediocre in comparison, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this is the match to watch on that. Um, there is a tag match with Vader in full, fully, and I can't remember who. I think they go against the Hart Foundation. It's uh, That's a pretty good match as well. But yeah, this is the, if you're going to watch any match off this, that will be the one for sure. Stone Cold, did you Cold, take a sip of a beer, throw it on <laughs> Brett, and then start stomping a mud hole in his ass. See, there was See, already seeds. <laughs> and 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 Austin admittedly says that if you get a chance to like, even if it's a fans man, just drink their fucking beer or water, involve it in the match, but it gives you a little bit of hydration. And these guys, even though they could go this long, it's nice having some type of thing to grab naturally to i guess uh you know prolong yourself but this it this match is great because all right it was a submission match i think is the stupid because all all fucking austin has is the million dollar dream basically left over from ted dibiase but they just go in the audience immediately and oh my god i saw hey sasha and fucking charlotte did that exact same spot but Getting backdropped on the stairs, cement stairs, cannot feel good at all. No, that's that's got to suck shit for sure. Um, now they're going back towards the ring. Yeah, it's a submission match. You can only win by submission. I love Shamrock. He's so good at keeping the crowd off the guys. I mean, everybody's scared. Who the hell's going to fuck with Shamrock at all? Exactly. Uh, there's an RF video sign with a phone number if you guys need to get some Japan tapes they got you covered (laughs) (laughs) Um, what would have been out by then misawa and uh kawada i think was like a little bit before this so maybe that's what they were trying to sell (laughs) selling whatever they i mean they had they had everything if you were a tape trader back in the day that's our video replay how early it is on in the match compared to whatever they've done i miss these oh There's no way to take a shoulder to the fucking steel, even to this day, and not to have that be, even if you're doing it more so than the person throwing you, that's got to (laughs) suck. Well, he he turned, uh, what Brett does when he takes it is he kind of like, almost does like a cross body into it, but with his uh, shoulder in hip. 
So it's like half of his body instead of just his shoulder. And he moved That's a step so good, about man. 45 fucking yards away from the post when he did it. Yeah, Brett's Brett's a great wrestler for sure. What, what What's great about him, and I, I should probably kind of, I don't know, just, just talk about this. It's very similar to what's great about Randy Orton. They don't do anything too special, and they're not the greatest brawlers, but they make everything look like a fucking struggle. Their punches are great, especially Brett's. Um, and yeah, that's all you really need in a situation where you're going against a rattlesnake that's trying to like become the number one in the company. And uh, yeah, when Back Austin, the yeah, when Austin took the post here. It's like, well, they're back in the ring for me, too. But when he took that post, it's like his foot got called under the steps, and he took that bump, like, really awkwardly. So this match could have been a lot shorter than it actually was. It didn't look awkward, but you could just see his leg was, like, stuck under there when he fell backwards. Ooh, rotating neckbreaker. I like even at this point, Steve Austin's got a fucking knee brace on. This is how we should have. Goddamn kid, my knee's all fucked up. <laughs> I want anyone to watch Austin against Ricky Steamboat from the early 90s if you want to see how, just how good fucking Austin really is. This is kind of like the last showing of it in a major league sense before he gets his neck broken. Yeah, look, he just rolled over like that. He's going off the apron and doing fucking clotheslines. Um, him and Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes. Jesus. Hold uh, in WCW for those out there that didn't watch WCW growing up. Stunning Steve Austin was one hell of a wrestler. Not that any, I'm sure everyone knows that. I like that Stone Cold, uh, his knees hurt and Shamrock's asking him if he gives up and he gives him the fucking birds. Love it. <laughs> While selling. <laughs> it's another underrated thing about Steve Austin is the one thing he didn't have to adjust when he came back was his selling. He's great facial expressions. Think about how many wrestlers these two, and sometimes collectively, but also individually, influence so many great wrestlers of today. It's like, insane. it's ridiculous. You would think that, like, you and Sean. You would think that, like, Brett would be the influence for, uh, like, Sammy and Kevin Owens, and they've both been like, no, I was Austin. <laughs> 100%. Which is fucking kind of funny, you know? Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, Kevin says his. Bigger influence than Brett is Owen for him. Which, God, I love that that thing that Brett does. He wasn't able to do it this time. What the fuck did he hear? Oh, stutter! Goddamn, kid. He can't pin God him. Goddamn. That would have been the end of the match right there. Well, no, because it's a mission match, so he has to fucking do something other than That's that. What, that's what I was saying, is he couldn't pin, he can't, he can't pin him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's selling so good right now. I thought that's what you were referring to because his legs fucked up. He's bouncing on one foot. Oh, Brett gets him, cuts him down again. Oh man. Absolutely incredible commentary by uh, Jr. and Vince here. And I normally don't say that uh, Vince on commentary, but for this particular match, he's what a maneuver. Brett's going for the post figure four. This is such a fucking awesome move that he decided to pull out. It makes no sense because he can't fucking 
make them give up, but it causes so much damage, especially in a hardcore match. Uh, and Bryce, it, Austin was tapping out. He would have tapped out. But even if was, this was a normal rules match, he wouldn't be able to tap out from this anyways. But well, no, 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 this was a this was a no this is no holds barred. It's one of those weird WWE things. That's oh yeah. Can. So still, if it's a submission match, he could have fucking won with that potentially. Is what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he could have technically tapped out there. It's one of those weird WWE things. They don't ever do submission matches like this anymore, but for this one, because they had such a heated rivalry, I guess they let them do whatever. Because, yeah, Brett's going to get a fucking ring bell. Which, by the way, can oh. people with a ring bell? <laughs> Someone? Yeah, dude. Seriously, that was such a great prop to do back in the day. Look at fucking <laughs> the Fink's <laughs> like, don't hurt me! <laughs> he grabbed the timekeeper's chair at first, Brett did, and it was padded. He threw it down and got the <laughs> a non-padded one. That was fucking funny. <laughs> oh, and Brett's about to get some heat on him. Because people are like, wait, why do you gotta go this level, hit man? He's gonna pulmonize oh, on He's about to do his little elbow off the second rope. Honestly, Bret Hart, great technical wrestler, also had like five moves of doom. He had his fucking elbow off the second rope. He had the sharpshooter, obviously. He would do a superplex. He would do a Russian leg sweep. I mean, it was the same type of concept. Also, can, and we the talk, pile driver. can we talk about how Brett sold that chair shot like he got hit? Oh, look at the chair. <laughs> fucking Austin actually, like, literally bent that over Brett's back. Damn. <laughs> Oh, wow. Look at that, man. Boom! Dude, I'm, everyone says people from Calgary take the best turnbuckle bumps. Both these guys hit the ropes great. It's an art that seems to be a little lost on a lot of modern wrestlers. Looking at you, Jungle Boy. Yep. I, would, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> Don't do it like Snoop Dogg. We love that Snoop Dogg was able to pull that off in a fucking clinch, but Try to actually hit the fucking ropes. Yeah, oh, especially considering. God damn! Fuck you! Coming down! Boom! <laughs> this match oh is god, this match is great. I watched this at my friend, uh, my friend Daryl Sabalas's house, and I remember us both being like, "Holy shit, this is the best thing of all time." This kid can't even watch it. Just shock and dismay. This is before we had everyone acting like they were actually shocked and dismayed. Uh, which is annoying. But that kid was really, really sad. Oh, like, Russian leg sweep myself, bitch. God damn. And what Austin, is that? It's like a weird octopus stretch or something. I don't... I'm a going great moves book. What? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say what Vince said. What a maneuver, because I actually don't know what this is called. Great stuff. He's got next. He's got Brett's head twisted so far with that move that uh, that Brett was yeah. smiling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. He's going to put him pussy. Oh, Break the walls down. <laughs> the only submission lock in wrestling that actually submitted someone in MMA. 
Have you ever been put in a Boston, Boston crab? No. Dude, that looks like it would hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah, it sucks. Obviously not Honestly. in this situation because Austin's just doing a squat. But if you actually put someone in it like you saw in UFC, you can make them tap for sure because you're pulling their legs away from their back. So their spine's just curving at like a 60, 70 degree angle. Oh, even but like even my like hamstrings like hurt when I see that shit. All right. Well, I will say this. I mean, it's not too bad, but Austin's definitely forgetting to sell his leg as much as it was fucked up. So I guess if you're going to find like some. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, I'm the eye. What are you doing, man? As soon as you said Austin's not selling his leg, he gets thumbed to the eye and sells his leg and falls over. <laughs> wow. It's like. All right. These two. These two, man. I mean. Was was honestly, when it comes to a match sense, was Brett's best person to go? Because uh, people don't forget, their SummerSlam, or maybe it's Survivor Series match, it's fucking awesome too. Um, was Brett's best opponent in the ring his brother, or was it Austin? And was Austin's best person in the ring Brett, or was it The Rock? I mean, it was Brett, as far as entering chemistry goes. They uh, just killed it, man. But as far as like a uh, draw and everything, it would definitely be the rock. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I love all three of the matches, but the rock and the rock uh, Austin's second match. Definitely. Oh my God. Someone just bumped. Who the hell was that on the ground? <laughs> I, know, I did camera guy or somebody. I like the jury used to wear his wrestling tights to do commentary. All right. So, Austin and Brett, if you guys want to like check out a great podcast about this match specific, um, they were on Edge and Christian, and they did a commentary about this match with Brett and Austin, and just the whole like no blood, even though Brett wanted it, and how Brett's like he told Austin he goes, all right, you know I'm gonna throw you over into the fucking the table, and uh, you know when you when you get back up. I'm going to have the razor. He basically had the razor in his fist and just hit him three times with it on the forehead. And Austin wasn't over bleeding. It looked believable. Vince thought it was real. Fucking, they didn't get any trouble. Um, and my God, it's just the enough blood, honestly, Chris, when it comes to this match. Yeah. Oxley. Cordette would try to watch the shit. I show over this after, uh, after <laughs> watching some of the recent AEW blade jobs he's seen. I think I've heard in the past Austin did the old uh, aspirin trick here too, which is if you take aspirin before yep. the match and you get, yeah, <laughs> it thins your blood out so you bleed more. It's like a Dusty Rhodes and Flair used to do it, a bunch of those guys. And people are starting to feel bad for Austin. Brett's already gone... Very heelish for the first time ever. I mean, he even raked fucking Austin's eyes, man. I mean, and people, they're cheering for him still, but you can tell there's, you know, this is the, the, the best double turn, I think, in wrestling, period, from from my standpoint of watching. I know that Strangler Lewis did it with someone back in the fucking day or, or something like that, but this Brett comes out as a complete fucking heel 
after being beloved and putting his goddamn glasses on some kid in the front row. And Austin goes from flicking off the audience to being beloved by him at the end of this. Yeah, it also I think it, you know a lot of it is just how intense Brett gets into murdering Austin, and Austin's just selling so great. It's it's fucking incredible, dude. I also love this uh, guy's this cameraman's coveralls on the apron. <laughs> Observation: If anyone out there listening has a set of these WWE coveralls, let me know. Oh, is this the end of it? No, Austin rakes his eyes and it's out. I God, think. he's bleeding all over the fucking place. Yeah, they would never do this in WWE nowadays. Um, Austin got mad at himself because at one point he was getting blood in his eyes, so he kind of tried to get it out of his eyes and he knocked it off his forehead. And he's like, God damn, man, I killed the color. <laughs> it worked out for him. Because we're about to have, in a, you know, soon one of the most oh, him in the dick. <laughs> one of the most visual uh, things in wrestling, uh, especially for the Attitude Era, with Austin bleeding in the Sharpshooter. But man, it's Austin cell job fully with the tooth sticking out of his nose, smiling. Those are the two to me. Yeah. Know the attitude error. Those are the two specific things I think of for just like a visual photo. Oh man. Look at him, man. He's already a rattlesnake. God damn. Just bopping his head around. Time to stomp him. Oh, 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 Flip you off, kick you in the face. You did not have to have the best kicks in the fucking business to make that look amazing. Yeah, but you have to be as personable about selling them as Stone Cold is. You know, like when he's laying them in, you got to have the attitude going with it. We haven't seen this in a... uh, we well, don't see this quite often after this match, but Stone Cold's going for a superplex. <laughs> Damn. This match is so good. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to look it up real quick, but I wonder what Dave Meltzer gave this match. Star rating. Uh, two and a half star. If, if it was in a talk, you Dom. <laughs> what? This, this is obviously before the... F- the six star ratings, I would assume to be up there because he gave an incredible uh, rating for Shawn Michaels and Razor. And even though I think that's an awesome match, I think this is a better match than that. I would assume he gave it five stars. So he did give this one five stars, which would have been the most yeah. at the time because there was not a six yeah. star. Yep. Yep. Oh, man, he's choking him out. It says the match has been showered with accolades, including a five-star rating from Meltzer. It has been 21 long years since WrestleMania had a five-star match uh, in this article, and that was on 2019, because I don't think he gave Sean or Taker five stars, uh, which that's arguable. You know, you could – those were different kinds of matches. Taker obviously is not the in-ring hand. Oh. It just depends on how you judge them. 
I think we're going to it, man. Such a good match, man. And I think we're in the... Unless he reverses it, I'm, I'm forgetting. I think this is it. But we're about to see probably one of the most... One of the biggest visuals yes. in wrestling history. There you go. <laughs> the scream. And this is such a smart idea. It's a submission match. How are you going to help Austin get over and Brett win? Austin just passes out from pain. Even though that makes absolutely no sense when you're talking about your back and your hamstrings. You know, but whatever. It fucking works. Well, they also, I thought they sold it as like loss of blood as well, right? Like the combined pain and loss of blood and stamina. He just couldn't. couldn't. JR on this, man. Holy fuck. There you go. That's the visual. The blood on the tooth. Yeah. And he's having to. Oh, wow. Almost got out of it. Oh, did he get out of it? Oh, oh Brett's. He tried to roll into like a heel hook and you're right back in it. And now you have really the image itself. Austin just bleeding. Blood <laughs> on his fucking mouth. All over the place. He's about to pass out from pain. And he's done. And Brett won't stop until the ref grabs his ass. Which I would stop, too, if Ken Shamrock grabbed me, because Jesus Christ. (laughs) Still would love to know from Ken what it was like to, um, you know, train at the dungeon for a different little amount of time. And if Brett and Owen could have been suitable people in the UFC based on their accolades in wrestling. but. Should not have mentioned CM Punk to him. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, that, that put him on tilt for sure. Which, to be fair, there's a lot. You of, saved the interview. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, and uh, there's a lot of guys in, during that time period that were not big fans of CM Punk coming in. And I kind of wonder now, looking back at CM Punk, kind of in retrospect, was it because that Shamrock met Punk and Punk was a dick or something? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Yeah, Shamrock was uh, super nice to me, but he he definitely got heated at you. I thought he was going to throw you in the ankle lock for sure when you brought up CM Punk. That would have sucked. I thought I was going to be the one that was going to get the heat when I was going to ask him about (laughs) Minoru Suzuki. (laughs) It was the opposite. (laughs) Apparently Shamrock, even though he beat him legitimately, still likes Suzuki, does not like CM Punk. And that's... Makes me wonder if, if like there was something else there, and then this had to have been. He's trying to put him back. Oh, what a fucking bellied back suplex! Don't mess with Ken Shamrock. He's the UFC champion. This is one thing I will say that WWE is about to be able to do technically because where they are with uh, you know, getting signed and being paired up with UFC. Maybe we can see John Jones doing this type of thing. We've already seen a bunch of people, um, DC included, try this in the past. But it's always great having like sports figures involved with wrestling. 
when you're now part of a company as part of the UFC, they already do with like Tyson Fury. Do you think we're ever going to have like a picture with Roman Reigns, Tyson Fury, and John Jones? I hope so. That'd be kind of cool. They're three heavyweight champions, if you think about it. You can throw you just, uh, yeah. someone else's sign to it. Um, who's our Olympian? I forgot. Oh, um, Gable Steveson. Gable Steveson, yeah. Yeah, get them four in a fucking picture. No offense to MJF, but, you know, that's like... He stuns this referee. That was the moment. <laughs> Which referee is that? I just realized. Is that Mike Kyoto? I think it was Mike Kyoto. Very early match, and because Stone Cold can't walk, but he still won't let people help him out. It's so much. Do you hear the audience right now? They hated him at the beginning of this. This is one of the this is the best double turn ever, I think. Any other one they've done since this has not even been in the same stratosphere. No. Brett was like super babyface. This is like John Cena doing some shit like this to a person. Look at them. They love them. There's been great heel turns, but there's not ever been a more successful double turn just based off a match. Austin's walking up the ramp. What a sell job, dude. Thank you, King. Would you expect anything less? But he is selling how, like, there's not many men could be able to walk after something like that. He's really, they're really putting over Austin heavily. And they're showing the puddles of blood. They'd never do that now. <laughs> One looks like uh, Africa, kind of. It's continent shaped. Yeah, man. Um, That's it. I think there's a great match. There's still so this is the crazy thing. They do this in the middle of the show. It's a uh, literally a 20 minute match. That's got to be the one of the, if not the greatest 20 minute match, the greatest 20 minute match of all time. Or oh yeah. I I thought it was longer than you were like how long is I was like because you were like how long is it I was like I think it's like 20 25 minutes It, it always seems longer. But it's really not. It's just 22 minutes in five seconds. It's insane. It's insane. Let me let me go over the rest of this uh, this card bef- before and after. So we had Billy Gunn going against um, Flash Funk, who is uh, fucking Too Cold Scorpio. Then we had the Headbangers going against the uh, the new Blackjacks and um, the Godwins. Uh, then we had Rocky Maivia and the Sultan. Sultan is Rikishi with Bob Ackland, the Sheik. Then we had Hunter Hearst Helmsley against Goldust. Uh, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog versus, like you said, Mankind Invader. After the Brett and Austin match, which was sixth, we had Ahmed Johnson and LOD uh, g- defeating the Nation of Domination and then The Undertaker defeating Psycho Sid. So, None of this really fucking matters besides that match. And it's one of the best matches of all time. I 
I will say relevance wise, it, it matters a little bit because if Sean doesn't refuse to drop the title and then lose his smile, you don't get put in this weird situation where Sid's champion. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sid wins. Uh, but Sid and Sean's feud, that might be some of the best stuff in Sid's career. At least uh, the thing he gets made fun of the most promos. <laughs> I still laugh every time I see that WCW clip where he's like, my car. Why? Why me? <laughs> So great. I love Sid. I think I'm like the one I'm like one of the only uh wrestling journalists out there that really puts over Sid Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Sid's Sid's a psycho. Um he, he, when he's why bo- did they fucking spell that wrong? Is what I want to know. Psycho. Oh, because nineties. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why kids not from the 90s definitely will not understand why the hell they did that. They're like, why? It's like everything. Everything did that, right? So a couple of months later, like I said, August 3rd, 1997, uh, Owen would break Austin's neck. And Austin's still able to apply, you know, great in-ring storytelling, but definitely limited. And because he used to call himself a mechanic. Forehand, uh, much. I, I I feel like he's always compared himself, and it makes a lot of sense to uh, Arn Anderson, which Brett's put over as a great in-ring wrestler. You know, just psychology-wise, but also moving your body a certain way. And uh, Steve still has. Well, he actually after that goes on to have the best career out of most wrestlers. Period. In like a four-year period. Uh, just being the number one draw and off and on champion, you know, but in retrospect, it's crazy because this was probably the last big showing of what he could do in the ring. And they had a classic with him and Brett at WrestleMania 13. Him, him and the rock, their first match, he went kind of all out, but it was very different. Um, yeah. Still a great match, yeah. but very, very different. Now, what what's the crazier thing about this is everything that happens to Brett <laughs> following this. He gets released yeah. after signing a 10-year deal in the Montreal Screwjob. He signs with WCW. His brother passes away before he debuts on WCW. He debuts on WCW and kind of just is a guy. He does the sting, uh, the infamous sting Hogan angle where Nick Patrick either forgot to count fast or didn't count fast. And they had to call a fucking audible to put the title on sting and then take the title away from sting and then becomes part of the NWO famously getting kicked in the head by fucking Goldberg. And that's the end of his career. He's done before Steve Austin, who broke his fucking neck. Steve was, yeah, actively wrestling and doing stuff up until like what 2004 2005 yep so that's it's just insane to think about the trajectory in in like the involvement in owen in both of their careers to some extent like you know obviously one was just a terrible accident owen went to do a, a sit out reverse pile driver which is kind of like a tombstone like you said and uh 
Austin had never taken one before. There's some miscommunication there. I know that Austin's talked in the past that he had like a lot of heat after that because Owen didn't even check on him. Uh, but it was because Owen Hart was so ashamed that he didn't want to call him. It's kind of like a weird. Yeah, even Brett was mad at him apparently from that whole entire handling. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're Brett, and I mean, if you're anyone on that roster, you would have been mad because, like, Owen, or I mean, Austin was about to be the fucking mill ticket, and luckily he was able to come back and still be that guy. But he, you know, they he was the guy. Like everyone knew that he was going to be the guy after that Brett match. Like they were strapping the rockets to him. The fans were behind him. It's pretty clear cut. If anyone's going to win the war, it was going to be Stone Cold. <laughs> and they bring in, you know, Mike Tyson, and they you get the get the Sean dropping the title to him. Which I, there was even conversations back then. It's like, is Sean actually going to drop the title to him? Um, but yeah, that was uh, it's crazy to think about, man. I really enjoyed uh, being a nineteen year old kid watching this at my friend Daryl Sabalas's house in Gainesville, Georgia. Hometown of AJ Styles. So shout out to Daryl if you're listening to this out there. <laughs> Very fond memories of this pay-per-view. I didn't even tell you. Uh, friend of the show and just friends in general, my uh, co-worker, uh, Michael Rourke, who is known to Atlanta as Hoax within the independent you know, Atlanta market, uh, got to uh, actually train because his you know, the guy that taught him is good friends with AJ Styles, who is training right now to get back into ring because he injured himself much more minor. But he, you know, did a sit down and talked with everyone and also had everyone, you know, kind of roll with him in the ring to learn some stuff. So pretty cool. Big shout out to uh, Mike for that, because. I mean, it's it's cool to know that AJ is still interacting with people in Atlanta on his time off, basically. Um, even though he's using that gym to come back from an injury, and he's good friends with the person that owns it, that you know uh, teaches and runs this wrestling organization. Um, the fact that he was able to get in the ring with them, I I was like, can you ask him if he remembers me from serving him two times at Ruby Tuesdays? And, uh, Mike said no, but whatever. <laughs> sure, he's, AJ remembers me. He's not going to remember you, you fucking jabroni. That's probably what he, what he was thinking. <laughs> um, by the way, he said that it's actually true. AJ does not cuss. He cuts him off by saying like every other word besides that. So I think that's kind of cute. Love AJ Styles, though. What a fucking wrestler. Him and Brett would have had a barn burner if they got a chance. I want to see him and Kenny. So if Kenny goes to WWE, I want to I want to see that again. Let's run it back. I want to see. Who? Why didn't fucking anyone videotape their matches in Winnipeg? Because apparently they had some bangers, but like it was when Kenny was up and coming. God, we could have seen some pretty badass matches, but cell phones were terrible. <laughs> that's how that's what we go with that. <laughs> That's, that's a good point. That's, that's a very good point. So, point. Look, we're we're gonna try to do more of these when there's down weeks, and there's gonna be down weeks probably leading up to Money in the Bank. I think, as far as news and all the contracts, all the major contracts seem to be locked up until at least over the summer. 
So what do you think, what other watch along would you like to do? And, and fans out there, if you're listening to this, you can hit us up on Twitter at Chris R. Patton or at Dane Alves. Hit us up on Twitter or, or Facebook and uh, let us know what matches you want us to watch along with us and talk about. But uh, for me, if I had to throw one out there, Dane, I want Lawler and Funk, damn it. <laughs> Still one of my Empty favorites. arena match? Empty arena match. That's definitely one I would love to watch. Um, I'm going to throw out some other matches. We could do that like in a double. Do that one and do the empty arena match for uh, what the hell? It was during the uh, halftime heat with the Rock and uh, Mankind for the title. Um, we could do a trios with that. We could do uh, Flair and uh, Flair and Funk. Mankind in Rock and then Flair and Lawler. All empty arena. There you go. You, you mean uh, Lawler and Funk, right? No, he did an empty arena match with Flair as well. Oh, shit. All right, well. <laughs> hell yeah. It's also- Any of the Steamboat matches, especially the first one, uh, Steamboat and uh, Savage, one of my favorites. Um... Omega and Okada, the first one specifically, I think is incredible. And I'm trying to think of like something else. Punk and Cena, that was a fucking great match. Um, Sakai, the Rock and Austin too. So the even first, though the ending sucks. Cena and Punk, where Punk takes the title home. Yeah, yeah, Money in the Bank, I think it was that. Um, if we do that one, do you think we should also do a review of the punk pipe bomb and kind of what John Cena's character was headed into that? Because yeah. he had just feuded with, I want to say, R-Truth and Little Jimmy. <laughs> that's, that's where we were at. Uh, Love punk so much is because the rest of the product was fucking pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There, there, this, there's a bunch. I want to do uh, for sure one that I, I that I'm not a huge deathmatch guy or hardcore guy, but it's that Terry Funk versus Sabu barbed wire match. It's up there. It's pretty it's good. Fucking crazy match. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> did you oh hear about that... By the way. No. What the Maybe hell did Joey do now? He had to cancel a bunch of his, uh, I don't know if he did an exploding death match or what happened, but he got burned pretty bad in DDT and is now having to uh, cancel a lot of his GCW shows. So if you have tickets to go see GCW, uh, chances are he will not be there for a while. <laughs> he has some bad burns on his arm, a la Mick Foley. Uh, hey, people got to be careful about shit like that. I'd love to watch the uh, Terry Funk Onita match, even though it's ridiculous with the countdown at the end of it. That AEW tried to redo. <laughs> it's the fucking great value version of that. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. But yeah, there, there's a bunch of matches. Shit. Even though the ending sucks, fucking Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Or Kurt Angle and Sean. Or Sean and fucking Taker. Either of them. A lot of good matches out there. 
What 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 would be some of the more recent matches you'd want? I mean, obviously the kind of Omega trilogy. We were almost I almost pulled the trigger on that today, but that's sixty minutes. Six each of those matches are close to well, there's I think the actual Broadway's right match was yeah most of them are broadways was the ti- the title win i think was shorter than that but the the first two matches were both 60 minutes um the first one going into overtime a la hbk and brett hart which i'm assuming we might do at some point um that one's going to be a little hard to talk about just because they both got gassed and start doing rest holds like 30 40 minutes in yeah a lot of people's knock on that match. Me as a kid, I absolutely loved it because I was a huge Shawn Michaels mark, and that was the boyhood dream has came true. <laughs> but if you watch it like nowadays, you're like, that was a good match, but I don't think anywhere near the level. Like compared to Bret Hart and Austin or, say, Shawn and Razor, it gets pretty boring in between. Well, they had to because they had the big ending. Because Sean does like a fucking moonsault, you know, an elbow drop. Like the last like five ten minutes, it picks back up. But there is a lot of just downtime in that match. And there's no falls. It's great because you get to see you get to see Vince's reaction for the first Luchador move he's ever seen. Because when he does the Hurricane Rana to fucking bread off top ropes, Vince has no idea what the hell it is. He's like, "That's a leaping." Oh. Yeah, and he just completely fucking. No idea what the hell it is, but yeah, there's or fucking Ray and Eddie, um, or Eddie and Brock. Forgetting Mr. Guerrero because he's had fucking some of the best matches as well too. Um, Just to show that I don't hate CM Punk, I'll throw two matches out there. Maybe like one, probably not as popular as others, but uh, Raven versus CM Punk dog collar match. Awesome match, man! In TNA. Uh, it was in Ring of Honor. Okay. I know that they feuded in TNA. Well, they didn't feud. He was a part of his team, and then he rebelled against Raven. But, yeah, that's also awesome match. Uh, Samoa Joe and fucking CM Punk and Ring of Honor. Right. Their match that they did at, at every fucking place possible to get themselves famous, basically. <laughs> Punk, uh... Uh, let's see another good punk match since we've been talking about punk quite a bit recently just so that people know i haven't always hated seeing punk i think i've always thought he was a little overrated but i I haven't always hated punk uh punk versus ray mysterio versus eddie guerrero jr yes yes that would be awesome uh out of recent matches i'll put uh two from the wwk era uh the 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 last match in the tournament between Pete Dunne and fucking Tyler Bate, and also Walter back before he was, uh, you know, uh, what the hell is he called nowadays? <laughs> Gunther. <laughs> All right, whatever. Gunther, him and Ilya Dragunov, that first fucking match they had, and it was during the pandemic era, is one of the best matches I've ever seen from the last time I watched it. It's been a while, but I'm just saying it was a fucking fantastic match. Give the ladies some love here, Charlotte and Sasha. Oh, yeah, Raw? Or do you want to do Hell in the Cell? Because both those matches are fucking awesome. I think the Raw match. The Raw one's where uh, Sasha puts... Sasha beats her. Fucking Boston Crab using the 
the like handrail, whichever one that yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great match. Or anything with Bull Nakano, really. Her and fucking Medusa killed it back in the day. There's a lot of good matches, man. We could definitely do a good majority of them, but we love wrestling. And uh, there wasn't a lot for us to talk about this week, but, you know, uh, it's, like Chris said, kind of like a down time period. So if we get a chance to do this again, uh, we'll give you guys another watch-along for content. Just let us know how you liked it and what matches, like Chris said, you want to see. So we could do fucking Bruiser Brody and fucking Stan Hansen in Japan. It's, it, it, you know, a match that me and Chris have never seen, but people like, you know, potentially from whatever you suggest. And we'll do that. So uh, let us know, like Chris said. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one that's not as talked about as much we should we, that we should definitely cover that I, I definitely want to cover because I don't know if you've seen it. You may have. Uh, Vader versus Cactus Jack, WCW. I've only seen it once. That match is super fucking violent, especially <laughs> since Cactus loses his ear in it. But it's an awesome match. I'd love to go back and watch that. Well, that's the Japan match. I'm talking about the one in WCW that has the Cactus Jack that eventually becomes what we know as Mick Foley uh, headed into, God, was it Starcade? I think it was Starcade. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen that one, that's a fucking that's a great that's a banger. Also, we haven't done any Hall of Awesome episodes in a while. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I I was thinking not only that, but I would like to do with you our top ten of all time. Uh, we could do it like you know two different lists, but or if we wanted to like include women's uh, in a separate list, but like. Top 10 best in-ring workers. Top 10 biggest wrestling draws. So. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder how different our lists will... We've done this before, but I know that our lists are going to have... I, I know that some of mine has changed. Just because there's yeah, been I'm curious. really great modern wrestlers. Lots of really good fighting yeah. workers. Especially in the past five years or so. So... We've been doing this show six years now for new listeners out there. So there's definitely episodes we've done the top 10, but the, you know, top 10s change, man. Opinions change. I don't think, I think and I think how we feel about disco has changed, but. <laughs> and, and, and the biggest thing is I think that uh, there is a different discussion for top 10 draws and top 10 workers um there might be someone that's on both lists but there might be a very different style of list because like someone like example macho man randy savage could potentially be in either list honestly but a lot of the time you're not going to see hulk hogan express in the top 10 workers list uh but obviously one of the biggest draws even though if you watch his all Japan, New Japan stuff. He was a damn good worker before he realized all I have to do is put up my foot and then do a leg drop afterwards. Um, so. I'm going to give Hogan a little bit of credit. I think he figured it out before anyone else, right? Like he, 
I think he was capable of still having those kind of matches. He just didn't one, he didn't need to. And also he was working as he would say, 382 days a year, brother. <laughs> exactly. Brother. Or uh, here's another match. Uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine in the first uh, Starcade uh, in their dog collar match. That match is fucking awesome and brutal. It's a great one. Last Battle of Atlanta as well. We could we could watch that. We can watch the whole fucking show. That's just a good show in general. But yeah, let let us know what you think. What should we do? Yep. Worst matches? Should we watch some shitty matches? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Five star matches. Let's watch Antonio Noki go against the great Noki, where he kicks his fucking face in. We're getting too stiff with him. It's pretty awesome. So, uh, did you see? Because you brought up Tyson Fury earlier, and you brought up kind of the idea of you know still bringing up boxers and mixed martial artists. Did you see Deontay Wilder's uh, comments about Mr. Tyson Fury from last week? Possibly what, one more match. I mean, look, it, it will be a big money match if you do that. But at the same time, it's like, does he want to get... Even if he beats Tyson... Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if he beats Tyson this time, is it even that big of a deal? It's like, a you're big, basically asking the champion again for another match. I don't know. He basically brought up the last two fights where in the last fight, there was a kind of a slow 10 count for Tyson Fury. And he kind of brought it up as being like, that was kind of shitty. And then he's like, in the first fight, there was also a very slow 10 count. So he's basically doubling down on like, hey, I may have gotten fucked over here a little bit. Okay. Uh, Which sets up for a good feud because I still think there's a lot of people who's like, yeah, but like, you know, you landed one punch and Tyson Fury beat your ass the rest of the rest of the match. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the thing about Deontay. It only really takes one. So it'll be interesting. He also talked about how he has changed his fighting style to deal with Tyson Fury, which is interesting. I think that, would you be excited to see one more? Because after that last one, they went the full length. Holy shit. That's like the best thing I had seen in a long time. Sports wise. I really enjoyed that. I, I'm down for at least that's like Kenny Omega versus Okada. I'm down for one more regardless. Uh, I mean, yeah, go for it. But I, I just feel like if you're, you, you can say whatever you want to say about like the slow count stuff like that. If you're Deontay Wilder, will you really feel like you beat, Tyson Fury, if you basically got yourself into another match with them. So. Well, I mean, Tyson, uh, Deontay's won all of his other fights outside of Tyson Fury as well. And there's no one, like, the heavyweight division's so locked up. Like, Tyson's beat everybody. Deontay's beat everybody. They're just kind of always going to be stuck there until someone beats one of them. Right. Did did uh did Tyson beat Anthony Rumble Johnson to take his title to unify the the whole entire boxing organization? Because I know that was one thing they wanted to do. I think they've been dodging that fight, if I remember correctly. Because uh, either of them, either of them, it doesn't matter if it's the only well, they would fucking destroy Anthony Rumble Johnson. Uh, I know that. So I don't want to say there is a uh, 
Fury does have another fight coming up, but it's it should be a walk in the park for him. So I'm sure we'll hear the Gypsy King sing again and then show up at WWE because that's what he that's what he does. Here's a question I have for you, uh, going into the realm of MMA. If John Jones beats Stipe Milchik, which is a huge thing for him to fucking do in the heavyweight division, pretty much his biggest competition, does if he beats him, since they're a part of the same company, does UFC try to propose John Jones going against Brock Lesnar? If I'm Lesnar, I don't take that fight. But yeah, I mean, they, they might. Depends on how much, I mean, well, you know, it depends on how much money they're going to offer Lesnar. But I don't, you know, I don't, Lesnar's not, he's he's older than Jones by quite a bit and hasn't had an MMA fight in like four years. So I don't so know that I would necessarily. You think, Jones's like hands. me, John Jones should be able to beat him, right? Unless unless Lesnar just puts all of his weight on him. I mean, it is a, a new weight class for Jones. Like, I, it, it's just the thing that, like, Lesnar's not training MMA, like, for fights. Yeah. So, I, uh, last time we saw Lesnar, it was not, I mean, he won his match, and then they were, like, there's, well, you can say the same thing about Jones. Um, <laughs> there was performance-enhancing scandals afoot. But Brock has had three losses, and he's he only avenged one of them, and that was against Frank Mir, who beat him beforehand, then he beat Frank Mir. And then he lost, obviously, to Cain Velasquez, and, uh, well, should we call him Uberine because of how much fucking steroids he took during that time period? <laughs> Somehow dwarfed fucking Brock Lesnar? Um, but beat him. Lesnar was also jacked to the gills. So the only thing about that fight is that that's the diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Fight where, yep. Where Lesnar had diverticulitis. Um, I would be he interested. Fucking in the stomach. It'd be worth a lot of. I mean, it's it's a big money fight. It's interesting. Um, John Jones, Brock Lesnar. Like, can I mean, we trade uh you guys can have Brock. Just give us Connor. He's gonna need a. He's gonna need someone like that because the heavyweight division is flushed out. He's beaten pretty much everybody. He's undefeated. So if it's this, it almost becomes a Floyd Mayweather thing where it's necessary for him to bring in someone like a Brock Lesnar. Yeah, who the fuck, dude? Honestly, after Stipe. Who the fuck does he have that's actually like a suitable opponent in the heavyweight division? Uh, I don't even know. Um, but he still has to beat him, which, like we said, John Jones is now new to the heavyweight division. He he won the title, but Steve A could be like, yeah, no, and finally put the fucking nail in John Jones' coffin. Has other nails there from stuff he's done outside of the goddamn UFC, but still. Um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, like I said, I, I love the fact that WWE has ties now with the UFC directly within the same company. They have ties with the WBC because of Tyson Fury. They fucking are letting Gable Steveson do a open contract with them to keep on training, but potentially he's going to go back for the Olympics to win another gold medal. 
I mean, it's a lot of uh, great athletes being involved and football players too uh, within WWE. So, so didn't John Jones also dodge Cormier? Yeah, but I think Cormier, he's done. Unfortunately, I think he's definitely retired. He retired, but like, what I'm getting at is John Jones is doing the Floyd Mayweather thing where I'm really only going to take fights that I know I can win to stay undefeated. I mean, you're saying that, and I agree with you, but a lot of people don't want to hear that type of shit at all. Um, But I completely agree with you. It doesn't mean that either of them aren't great fighters, but like, there's no benefit in them taking a fight that they are going to lose or might lose or even have a shot at losing. It's kind of like what if you, if you watched uh, Rocky one, it's what his manager was doing to Apollo Creed, right? Yep. Well, <laughs> honestly with DC, him and Brock Lesnar are both 44, 45, I think. So they're the same age. I don't know. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting with Brock going against Cody. <laughs> Let's get past that because I still want to know. I mean, my whole thing is like, this is going to really, and I, and I told you this, it's going to define my opinion on if Vince McMahon has a lot of involvement or if there's about to be a, a shift. If Brock beats fucking Cody at the next pay-per-view, it's done. I hate to say that. I love Brock Lesnar, but it's over for me. If he beats him clean. What yeah, if he beats him Kofi style. What if it's like AJ Styles comes out and is heel and fucks over Cody or something? Could yeah, something. something like that's fine. I would hope that they're going to just give him a big win against Brock. The problem is the win's not as big because we just saw Brock like lose to Lashley twice. So, I don't know. I mean, it's still Brock Lesnar. It's still a big win. He's still a big draw. It should be a good... It probably will be one of Brock Lesnar's better matches. Uh, especially if Paul Heyman has his hands dipped in this. If he's trying to get back to Roman Reigns, I'm sure it'll be a pretty good match. It's just, It was just weird. Like, I, I don't know how you have two big... Like, I, okay, I get it. You don't want to put it on Sammy, whatever. I still don't understand how you don't put it on Cody at Mania. You just missed out on two big moments back to back. I don't know that this matters as much as if he picks it up like at like SummerSlam. Unless SummerSlam's I, like in Atlanta or something. And I'm not aware of like it being a home time. Maybe they're gonna save it for an Atlanta show or something, but I, I just don't get what they're doing. Other than my initial thought of they're gonna split the titles at the draft. That's a possibility. I really think this could be a thing where they find Roman having the title to be something that, like I said, if he if he holds it until next WrestleMania, he has beaten everyone for the record aside from Bruno and Bob Backlund, who both had it for like, I think Bruno had it for six years or more and, Bur- and uh, Bob Backlund had it for five years. So he's about to beat fucking Pedro, Hulk Hogan, and Bruno's second reign, which is ridiculous that Bruno had the title that long in general, period. Uh, But Roman could have that title until next WrestleMania, and I still feel like the person that 
can be built up to beat him is Cody Rhodes. I feel like that could definitely be still the position. Uh, because here's the thing. If Roman loses, then you don't, like, what the fuck's the point of the bloodline? And that's their biggest thing that brings attraction. Like, it's it's it's... It's kind of like if NWO were to be completely done if Hollywood Hogan lost the title. Um, it's, it, it, it has that kind of feel of the NWO and also the Four Horsemen. Like, you know, Flair needed the title for the Four Horsemen to work, and all the storylines pivot around the Four Horsemen. You kind of need that. That's why the, like them just taking the title, one of the titles off of him at the draft might make sense if you want him because he could still beat the record with the SmackDown title technically. Yep. Uh, Cause he's held that one the longest, like they'll just give him whichever one he's held the longest and they could split the titles and then he can still do the, like he beat the thing and all the happy go lucky stuff. It's ridiculous to have two heavyweight titles in general, but I I don't see them going away from that. I actually see them leaning into that, and that's probably why we're doing this draft and splitting up the brands. I just hope they're smart enough to put the right people together on those brands and and keep focus on those mid-card titles, because I think they've done a better job about keeping focus on the mid-card titles because the heavyweight titles have been locked up by Roman for so long. Because that's one of the problems we've had back before we started getting undisputed champions is that you just had like the U.S. title flopping around all over the place. And the same thing with the Intercontinental title where none of those reigns actually mattered. And like you, you wouldn't have you would never have gotten the Gunther reign that we have now if Roman's not at, on top sitting with both heavyweight titles. I agree. And I I feel like. Gunther with the IC title, I feel like he should hold it for a very long time. I mean, Austin Theory has to go against both um, Bobby Lashley and fucking, um, who's the other behemoth? I'm thinking of Jonah Rock, but that's not his name in WWE. Um, but yeah, him going against those two. Austin having that that title, Theory having that title and beating fucking John Cena. If he goes and also like they brought more prestige towards the titles, I think, and holding them for a long time, I think is inevitably the best way. I mean, shit. Usos before fucking Sammy and, um, and KO beat them. They had it for two and a half years. Didn't beat the new day though. No man, that's that's their uh, that's their kryptonite. Hopefully both <laughs> I mean, Biggie like the, and Kofi are getting better right now. But Xavier looked like a badass against Guther last night. By the way, he didn't win, but man, that was a good match. Yeah, I think that they're going to push him back to win King of the Ring a second time. So we will see. They're definitely doing some stuff with Xavier Woods. Some of that's got to do with their video game, I think. Because he's heavily, heavily involved with the MyGM mode and the popularity of up, down, down. And uh, the fact that he won the King of the Ring last year, I, I could see him retaining King of the Year. So I, I would assume you're going to see more of Xavier Woods. That and Kofi and Big E are both hurt. So, you know, he's a good he's a good wrestler. Hell yeah, he is. He's very innovative, man. I love – he does a uh, 
crucifix, but he double arms one arm and then forced the person to be slammed on their head. He did it to Gunther. A lot of stuff he does pretty fucking credible. I hope that we get some interaction with uh, King Xavier and Cody Rhodes. That would be great. Hometown yeah. rivalry. Right across separate high schools in the same area here in Atlanta. Uh, they've talked about it before. <laughs> That'd be fun. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with that. I hope Big E is coming back soon, though. Um, I hope he's coming back in general, man. That, he, that he's able. He's d- been doing a lot of sports announcing and stuff, like uh, introduce. Like he, I think he just did the. He just did one of the uh, the NHL playoff games. I can't remember which one it was. It may have been the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, like as a in, like an intro to the thing, which is uh, it's pretty cool. At least he's doing some other stuff and. If not, can we get Big E on commentary? If he's not able to come back, can we get Big E on commentary as opposed to like Booker or insert random like commentator we don't need? Because Big E is so fucking entertaining. <laughs> Having him yell "Big Men Slapping Meat" in a Gunther like while commentating on a Gunther Sheamus match or something, I'm down for that. <laughs> like if you can't wrestle, find something else for the guy to do for sure, right? Like train others and and have him be on commentary there's a lot of stuff you could do with biggie but hopefully he's able to come back and wrestle because they just started giving the guy like a proper push and 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 moving him kind of into the higher mid card top tier level where he would have been having matches against like roman and stuff and then you know he gets hurt on just a very terrible alabama slam by rich holland uh it's unfortunate yeah but Either way, and I completely agree with you. I love Big E, so if he wants to do whatever within wrestling, I'd love to see him. I mean, I think I compared him to Beast from X-Men last week when we were talking about him. <laughs> well, that was Keith Lee. We were talking about Keith Lee, but they both have kind of similarities. <laughs> hey, honestly, if Disney's going to pick someone, definitely pick Big E over fucking Keith Lee to play. I think that uh, he could do it pretty fucking well. But, uh Yeah. Actually, you know what? I mean, Keith Lee's more like Fraser Crane. And I feel like Biggie's more like Beast from X-Men. So. Which um, Fraser did play Beast originally, so Leslie Nielsen, but we're not Leslie Nielsen. Uh Fraser's name. What the fuck is it? The guy from Cheers. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't. Russell Nielsen, but that's the guy from fucking uh, those parody movies. Um, Taken. <laughs> no, never mind. That's that's the other Leslie. No, 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 no. That's that's not. That's uh, fuck. What the hell is that's his Liam name too? <laughs> Liam Neeson. Leslie Nielsen's from uh, like uh, '80s ones. Yeah, Damn it! Uh, All right, well, airplane. <laughs> and, uh, I'm cutting the show. Cutting the show. This is the uh, Tron line. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys like the watch along. Let us know what you thought about it. We're going to probably be doing this in the future when we have, you know, slower weeks like this. So we can give you guys some good content. Chris, say goodbye to all lovely people and plug whatever you'd like to plug. 
Goodbye, all the lovely people. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. Same on, on Instagram. And uh, we'll have some hockey content coming out for you on at uh, yeah, Skates, Skates to Throats. You can search that and all the same things you search for this show in. It, it should be available to you. And, uh, yeah, go Devils. Let's see if they can make a comeback. And y'all keep on listening every week week for wrestling east alliance uh hope you guys enjoyed the episode and the watch along like i said beforehand like chris said let us know what you'd like to hear and we will try to get that down if you want to get a hold of me uh look me up on instagram at dane owls i'm also on twitter and facebook but i don't ever go on them so there you go best chance to interact with me is dane owls on instagram and we can talk about wrestling for sure so, you guys, if you want to listen to us, you know, on a different platform than the one you're listening, we're on every platform, pretty much. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on everything. Just search on Google, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, find your platform, and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you would like, and thank you guys so much for listening to us. Peace out, and let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Bye, guys!